welcome to this BGSM podcast. This is the second of two podcasts focusing on the topic of monitoring training, game loads and optimising performance. We aim to provide the working clinician with a valuable resource for everyday practice. And here, Paul Visantini takes us into the room with Dr Darren Burgess, the High Performance Manager of an Australian rules football team. Their conversation provides great clinical insights into the challenges of juggling training load, injury prevention and performance. Here we are at the Mastering Load Symposium in Melbourne, March 2016 with Darren Burgess, the High Performance Manager at Port Adelaide Football Club. And uh, welcome Darren and thank you for being here at the symposium. Thanks for having me. It's been uh, really, really informative so far and I'm looking forward to the rest of the two days. We, uh, in your presentations, you talked a lot about, well, we're talking about load management, a lot of research and theory in uh, high performance and at levels below that. How do you put all of that information and the research and evidence into practice? It's a, it's a good question and, and sometimes you just can't. There, there's certainly times where um, you'd like to, to apply more evidence, but the practical scenario doesn't allow you to. So as an example, the sport I'm in at the moment in AFL, we, we play games either Friday, Saturday or Sunday, so you can predict you know, that there's, there's one game a week and you'll have you know, six, seven or eight days to break, uh, uh, as a break in between. So you can really apply a lot of the, <coughs> really, excuse me, really apply a lot of the um, acute and chronic loads and, and it works out nice and neatly, the one week versus four weeks and a lot of the research that Tim Gabbard's done really fits in quite well. Uh, however, if, if I'll go back to, to the days when I was working in the, in the Premier League in England, there are weeks where you would have two games, weeks where you'd have three, um, weeks where you might go into extra time and you have an extra 30 minutes of load on players which you're not playing for. There are weeks where you would um, might have to go to a cup replay and so suddenly where you see a seven day break in your calendar in three weeks time, there's not one now. Um, and we had all of those scenarios. So there are some times where you just have to actually put the evidence aside and use your common sense and, and communication skills with the coaches and the players um, and you just have to use your experience and I've certainly made mistakes in the past and I'm sure we'll continue to but you'd like to think that uh, within you know with the last 20 years that I've been working within high performance you develop a, an art and a feel for it as well as a science and, and I think it's really important to apply the evidence where you can but it's also just as important to say yep I, I acknowledge that the evidence, evidence exists but it, this particular set of circumstances doesn't permit me to use the evidence and I'll just use some common sense and use my experience to try and get the right outcome. You mentioned a bit of art with the science. Um, what are some of the, we talk about using things like perceived, exer- perceived exertion for uh, internal load monitoring for athletes, but what are some of those clinical signs? What are some of the things you see in athletes that might ring an alarm bell for you outside of the, the numbers that we get? Outside of the numbers, it's, it's um, mood swings, really, really popular, uh, really, really um, uh, common um, sign that players aren't handling the load very well. Um, general lethargy around the place, like if, if we go into the player's kitchen and we see a player you know, half asleep, um, that's generally a sign that they're, they're not coping with the load very well. Um, they're the, the two things that I'll look for. 
from a distance. Um, certainly during all the warm-ups, I'll keep an eye on each of the players and have a look at how they're moving and how they're approaching the warm-up with enthusiasm or not with enthusiasm, if they're joking around, laughing. Those sorts of things are generally good guides to see where the player's at. And what they allow you to do is then have a conversation and say, look, I noticed you're a bit flat during the warm-up. Is there an issue? Um, I noticed that uh, you were half asleep in, in one of the team reviews. What's going on there? You know, is there, is there an issue at home? Or, um, you know, you're reporting pretty well, but what I'm seeing is not actually backing that up. You know, what, what, what's going on? And, and at least it allows you to have that conversation with the player. And to follow that line of the individual athlete, um, we've talked a lot about pushing the limits, getting as much training into these athletes as we can, but they're all different. How do you reconcile the variability in, in each individual with what you're trying to do with them? How do you monitor it? What do you do with them? Yeah, it's a great question, Paul, and it's one that um, probably if you had asked me 10 years ago, I would have said, you don't, they all have to do the load because they're all in the same system and they all must do it. But um, nowadays, um, you have to acknowledge the, and you should acknowledge the athlete as an individual. And so um, I know there's certain players in, in our team at the moment that don't do as much training as others, but perform on game day. And I'm happy with that because game day is where you, we all live and die by that. So um, I know that some players need a little bit of tough love, whereas others um, need a little bit of a cuddle every now and then. And the coaches know that. And, and so we absolutely can do that. If you have an educated group and, and they understand the fact that each player has their own individual requirements, I think you can do it a little bit more easily. You get into trouble when coaches say, no, 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 everybody must do this because why is he getting a break when, when he's out there busting his ass? So I think uh, um, I've learnt over many mistakes to, to actually treat athletes differently. There are some times where, for example, um, we might put players in... in a tackling drill in the sand pit where there's no GPS, there's no heart rate. I'm not going to ask them their RPE because I'm not going to give them an out. It's just a, a bit of a toughening up session and and uh, it's just play on and that won't show up on any load monitoring or any you know any uh, heart rate or heart rate variability. But it's it's there. It's 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 got a purpose and this player needs it at that particular time. So you take that chance and. And you give them that. So you definitely, you definitely have to treat the athlete as an individual, and sometimes throw away the textbook a little bit. You, uh, you mentioned the anecdotes of Usain Bolt not doing a squat, Suarez not going into a gym so much. At Port Adelaide, what are your minimum requirements for strength and gym for your athletes, and, and even, even with, let's say, total loads of, of high. Uh, high-speed sprinting um, in training per week. You must have a minimum baseline for all of them and then you vary it up from there. 100% right, we, we do. We have a, a minimum requirement in the gym. You know, we have a really good gym culture so um, it's not too hard to get the players in there. Um, the minimum requirements are not necessarily numbers uh, from a gym point of view, it's it's a movement patterns and and trying to be trying to be as specific as possible to their uh, to what they're required to do in the game. On the field, however, we do have a, a, a bit of a minimum requirement for the players. Uh, we certainly have an average that we want them to hit each training session, and then a minimum requirement around that. Knowing that some players who are naturally you know better runners or 
running more as part of their game will exceed that average and that's okay and some players due to their position or due to their nature aren't natural runners and they won't get to the average and that's okay it's just within that player's individual variation if they're too far below the mean or too far above the mean then we might take some action in that way we're still on the individual player line and we talk about we've talked a bit today about capacity in tissues in kinetic chains in the the whole player how much can we change capacity or do, you know, how much does it change a yeah, good question again we we probably uh, at port adelaide have the belief that uh, you can alter capacity slightly but you can improve durability largely if that's the right word um, so the the tissue capacity to withstand the rigors of a of an afl season is developed in in the pre-season it's not necessarily um, improved or altered significantly but it's it's hopefully being taught to be more robust and being taught to handle the worst case scenario which is you know it might be a 15 minute game 15 minute period in a game where where the other team's got the ball and we're just chasing them for 15 solid minutes. So that's what we're trying to build up in one pre-season, in several pre-seasons, um, players' ability to handle that. So mm -hmm. I don't know that we can alter it, but we can certainly improve their tolerance. Mm -hmm. And just to finish, we're, we're focused on physical loads, training loads, internal loads. Um, what are the really important other features in, in your job, other than the GPS? What, um, you know, what other things do you look to for overall player welfare? Certainly, we, I, th I think the really important part of the job is, is, is developing relationships with the players and understanding what makes each player tick. Um, so from a holistic point of view, trying to find out, okay, does this particular player be motivated by watching basketball? Or, um, you know, I've had players in the past where who've been in fat club because their skin folds are too high and I know that they hate training so but I know that they love basketball so I've gone out and just played one-on-one -on -one with them um, and played very poorly but at least it's doing an exercise that, that they enjoy doing and and it won't take too much to motivate them so I think it's really important to find out um, the motivation of each player and and um, and what makes them tick if it is it money is it family is it a longevity of career and then you can frame your training around that so I think that's a, that's a really critical part of the role of, of, of any member of the sports medicine team. Mr. Darren Burgess, Dr. Darren Burgess, <laughs> thank you for coming to Mastering Load. Thanks very much, Paul. Appreciate it. Thanks to Paul Vizantini for hosting a great conference and for providing the BGSM with such great content. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please do so via the usual social media channels. Twitter is a great way to keep up to date with the latest from the BGSM and all of the latest sports medicine news. As ever, thanks for listening and have a physically active day.